Hello and welcome once again to the Yellow Jacket Experience. My name is Seth Dusalt, the voice of the Yellow Jackets, and this is an incredibly special episode just in general, but for me as well. We're here to talk with the GOAT, Judy Groff, AIC's legendary softball volleyball coach, over 1,250 wins between the two sports, an actual living legend. They named the field after her while she was still coaching, which we'll get into. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Good, Seth. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an honor. It's a privilege. And it's glad, I'm really glad to get to see you again, for sure. Let's actually start this at the beginning. And when I say the beginning, I mean even before AIC. You, know, you were an athlete growing up. You loved, you know, I know from my research that you played some baseball or at least wanted to um what sorts of opportunities were there to play sports when you were growing up in in south central pennsylvania well i grew up south of lancaster which is really not near philly it's about two hours from philly and at that time um i was very fortunate because we were the one only county in pennsylvania probably to have women's sports competitions and we were treated equal to the men. And at the time in high school, we had field hockey and tennis available to us. And I played on both teams. And then um, when I came to New England, um, they had, well, they treated, in Pennsylvania, you were treated, whether you were a male or a female, when we won the county championships, we were on the fire trucks with the parade, just like the men. I didn't know there was discrimination until I came to the Northeast. And that was the real battle up here. So, so you played field hockey and you played tennis and did, did And I also, well, I tried to go into the little league because it was quite good. And um, it was church sponsored and we were very good members of the church, but they rejected to have me on the team because I was a woman. And it was a great discussion within the house. My mother didn't want me to play, but my father did. And I wanted to play, I was a pitcher. And so that opportunity wasn't available and there was no softball competition at the time. I didn't even know what a softball was because I played hardball. <laughs> I was going to say, I know that, that uh, from, from reading that you never actually played softball, but you, did, you said you did get to play field hockey, you did get to play tennis. What was... What, what was that like playing playing back then? I'm sure obviously the game is especially- Well, it was, very, it was very competitive where I was, okay? We had county championships, that's as far as it went. But we were the county championships in field hockey for years. And so I was very fortunate growing up in a competitive atmosphere because when I got up here, women weren't even playing anything when I got up here in New England. You went to uh, Westchester, you get a degree in physical education. Um, what spurred you to want to study physical education a, a, and do something with that with your career? Well, I had two choices. I loved the out of doors. And so I applied to Duke for a forestry school because I was, was good in two things. I loved to be outside and I loved sports. And so when they were not taking any females in the forestry, um, degree program, then I simply went into phys ed. And then, and then your, your journey to 
Western Massachusetts. You originally came to Springfield to get your master's degree at Springfield. I did get my master's. I did yeah. get my master's at Springfield, and then I was going to move on, but I got my. I started working on my doctorate, so I got the job at AIC, so I could continue studying for my doctorate. And then I realized I didn't really want administration, so I got my sixth level, and um, did not finish my doctorate. So, so how did you make the connection to AIC in the first place? And then how did you end up starting the softball program? Well, the connection was that, you know, Springfield College was several blocks away and I could take classes and go back and teach. And so that's really why I stayed. I was able to get the job at AIC and continue studying. And it took me two more years to finish my sixth level. And then, um, when I got to AIC, I really started, one of the first things was Kim Mortara was there and she wanted field hockey. And I started, tried to start a field hockey program, but it took so many people and there weren't that many women around that played field hockey. And there seemed to be some interest in softball. And because I liked competition, I, I simply started the softball team then. And it was hard to find competition because we played division one schools. I was playing UConn at the time and U of Mass and Boston College because there were no division three schools that played softball. So, so in an alternate universe where the numbers were right, we could be having a conversation right now about the field hockey team, which, which we do now have at AIC, but instead you end up with softball um, you mentioned the trouble finding opponents, but you, you didn't have a lot of trouble beating them. You went five and five in your first year. Um, what was it like actually, what did you go through to actually build the team in the beginning in terms of getting players, things like that? What was that whole process well, like? Well, I was fortunate enough when I started the program, there was a team around, uh, like a semi-pro team called Mom Mannings out in Chicopee. And there's some very talented women there. And I was fortunate enough to meet one of the students, an athlete who was Donna Coombs, who was a pitcher for Mom Mannings. And I, she was one of the pioneers that really helped me start the program and get people in. And then Chrissy Leone was one of the first people that um, I really recruited. I tried to recruit because it was the AIAW was being formed at the time, which was the first women's sports organization because the NCAA didn't want anything to do with women at that time. And um, so the program started and um, the big rivalry was Springfield and myself. And I really, it was really difficult for us because all those schools that I was playing had phys ed majors. And in most cases, they didn't really have to recruit or anything because the talent was already at the college. So it was difficult in the beginning trying to learn to recruit. And Milk Temple really helped me learn to recruit. He really did. And then we just refined it. Now, you've already, you've already at this point started one team at AIC. You're their first five years at AIC. You get the softball team off the ground. And then start another team, the volleyball team. I mean, people obviously think of you as the softball coach, the softball field named after you. 
you're AIC volleyball's all-time wins leader as a coach. Um, so what did you learn in that first five years that helped you to be successful with volleyball? And what was it like trying to balance running two teams? Well, first of all, you forgot basketball. Somewhere in there, there was basketball before volleyball. That's true. The basketball program, I think, started in uh, 72. It was when uh, Calhoun was playing. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Calhoun was playing or not, but I was sent to other places to practice because there was no room in the gym for me because men's basketball was so important at AIC. Mm. And so I was sent to, you know, I, with the basketball team, I was sent to uh, elementary school gyms. I was sent everywhere. And then um, Title IX was coming in and a bunch of girls came to me and wanted to start a volleyball team. And I thought, why not? Because volleyball was a relatively new sport that, at that time because it had just gone into the Olympics. And so, it, you know, it grew very fast and I had to really go and learn about it because uh, it was so new. And, um, and the girl came with, to me with enough people to play. And it was simple. It was Kathy Atala that really came to me and pushed for it. But it, was, it wasn't hard balancing at first because um, there weren't, was no fall softball in the early years. So that was pretty easy. But I also was officiating field hockey at the time. So I did that in the afternoons before volleyball practice. So I went and officiated field hockey, and I used to do big games like UConn and Springfield and all those. So, so you kept yourself busy then between all of those things. Um, well, no, that's not all, Seth. I and, had intramurals. Yeah. I had intramurals too, and I had a horseback um, group that competed in horseback riding. And I would organize those and go sometimes with them on the weekends. We had at one time 50 people horseback riding, and I also had the skiing program. That's so you know, and teaching. I also taught uh, some of the physiology classes. So they so they kept you they kept you very busy then between between everything. I mean that's uh, right. that's quite a bit to uh, to handle. I mean nowadays, if you're coaching a, a varsity team, that's the only thing you're doing. So well, I think when I left the school, I think four people there are doing my job now. <laughs> it take, it, it, I'll tell you what, it takes four people to replace you. That, that doesn't sound... Oh, no, I, ha I, had to do, I had the gym schedule. I had game management. I had some teaching. And I had the softball. And it, sometimes it was game management was really quite stressful trying to get that all organized. Yeah, I, I can imagine. It's it's stressful enough for us in the SID office, and all we have to do is make sure the computer is working. So mm -hmm. now you mentioned Title IX, you mentioned the AIAW. Um, how were you able to make make it work in terms of like comp in terms of you know finding competition, playing for championships, that sort of thing in that in that stretch of those first twelve or thirteen years before the NCAA actually started sponsoring women's sports? 
Well, I, we were actually in the first national championship ever to be held, and it was a freak kind of thing. Clyde, uh, down at Washbourne, down at Eastern Connecticut, also had a softball team, and he went to the a first AIAW meeting in New Jersey and told them about us and how we should be included with all those Division One schools that were playing softball. And they didn't pay any attention to us because at the time, Springfield was excellent. Uh, U of Mass was good. And so they didn't want anything to do with the smaller schools. So that when the AIAW started the first year, I was really associated and started with Diane um, and Ron Pringle down at Central. We started our own organization in Massachusetts called the Massachusetts Intercollegiate uh, Softball Association. And Clyde went and represented us that first year. And about two years later, they had split them into three divisions. No, I'm sorry. We were in the first one with all the big schools. And it was rather freaky. We applied for it. Our record wasn't that great. And we ended up going to um, New Jersey to play. Trenton, I want to say, Trenton or the other school that was down there. And by freak, I mean, we had an outstanding game and we won. And so we moved on to the second round and that was held at Eastern Connecticut and we lost the Slippery Rock, but I still got a bid to go to the national championship. So I went into Milton and told me unless the organization was paying for AI did not pay for me to go to the national championship. So we actually could have been in the first national championship. I mean, the real and the final. But we did, we, I said to the kids, it's just something to remember that you were in the first women's regional tournament and we won it. Now you finally get the NCAA on board with women's sports. It was 1982, I believe, that, that the NCAA finally said, okay, we're going to do this. Right. And we were first regionals. Mm -hmm. We were down there in Pennsylvania at Allentown. It's the first NCAA tournament we were in. It. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit, though, um, right, right, because right around this time, and I don't think, and I think you'll, you'll say this too. We can't talk about Judy Groff without talking about Bill Bedard. He was your assistant coach for as long as I've been alive, quite literally 31 years. And it's right around this time that he joins your team. Um, he had, I, uh, I he went had, to God. He was, he was helping Rich, his brother over at yep. in the baseball field. And I went to get him because, you know, I didn't know that much about hitting and that was his specialty. And he became very interested because he found that the women wanted to learn more than the men. The men coming in from high school sometimes are difficult to coach because they think they do know a lot more than they know. <laughs> and the women were anxious to learn. And so Bill, the, I don't know the first year Bill joined us, but he did go to the first MA. We were in all the MAIA championships. Um, and I know he was on uh, the bus with us to uh, Southeast 
Massachusetts, they changed their name now, but we were at that championship together. And that must have been either, oh, he was with us at MIT in 81. I, I don't know when Chris Leone pitched the back-to-back no-hitters. No hitters, but I think uh, that was at MIT the year before and he was with us. And we worked extremely well together because we both have our strengths. Yeah, and was... yet, we could not have been successful if, if I didn't have good athletes and a good assistant coach, there's no question. Yeah, I was... not been that successful. Yeah, I was going to say, I know Billy had been, as you mentioned, because Rich Bedard, our longtime athletic director, was the baseball coach, and that was his brother. And it's it's sort of incredible to see that he ended up doing softball for as long as, as he did and as well as he did. And, and you mentioned the, the success, and, and in the 80s, uh, both of your teams were incredibly successful. Volleyball in 1981 won 33, which is still the school record. Uh, your softball team took off. You talk about all the regionals that you guys made. You have a couple All-Americans. Uh, so what what did what was working? Like, what did you figure out to to really get it to get to that next level? Well, the, we were ahead of our time. I had learned to recruit probably better than any other woman in the Northeast. And Billy had taught me to some aspects of the game that women weren't familiar with at the time because women were rather weak coming out of college at the time in the Northeast because the level of competition wasn't that great. So I did coach against Brian Kelly. That is the most amusing story of all time. Brian Kelly coached women's softball at Assumption before mm -hmm. he's the big Notre Dame man now. Okay? Yep. And there were many male coaches at the time. And um, I just lost my trend of thought there because I was thinking about Brian Kelly <laughs> 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 and how much we used to fight. Um, oh, geez. I w we were discussing uh, how we got to that level. Yeah, so the recruiting mm -hmm. I had learned and I had learned things on my own about how to recruit and what kind of person to recruit. One of the things that I always stressed was finding the right person for our school and not just going after talent. Because many times they don't stay or they're not happy. And, you know, many times I would say to a kid, you don't belong here. You know, when I was recruiting them. He also, uh, we just, we were ahead of our time and the time got up to us in 2000. That's when it caught up. That's when everybody else got a lot of money, you know, and the means to recruit and learned how to recruit. So in 1988, you decided to step back from volleyball, just focus on softball, um, what went into that decision to say, I'm just going to do softball? Oh, no, I didn't. I, I, well, I had all the other responsibilities, too. I, yeah. I don't know at what point I got rid of the intramurals. That, I, I really had a very good intramural program going at one time. And I, I gave up the horseback riding 
situation because that was a lot of them too. Um, but I think it was decided, I think Title IX was pushing hard for equality. And I found at that time then the, you had to have a false softball. And so I'd be running to the games and scheduling games around. Well, I did all the scheduling too. Mm. Um, schedule games around each other so that I could be at both of them. And it just got to be too much because the fall softball program went from September to the beginning of November or the middle of November. And um, the, I think they tried to equalize everything at the school. I didn't really push for that. I didn't fight for that. There were many things I fought for, like uniforms and equality. But with that, I didn't because I really couldn't do anymore. I couldn't be two places at once. I was going to say, it, it, it always amazed me that, that you did manage to coach two teams to that level of success for as long as you did. I, I think well, about I had one in, I had the stuff on the afternoon, the volleyball in the evening. Mm. But nevertheless, I would I would go home any nights at eleven thirty at night. Mm. Yeah, I, I think of the hours our coaches put in now and I'm just like imagine I'm imagining doubling it and like there's not enough hours in the day. Well, I think I figured my salary to be twenty five cents an hour. <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm a, I'm at about thirty five, so I'm doing a little bit better. Than I, I tell you, I really did figure it out, and that's what it came out to. <laughs> that's so, why I had to have two other jobs. There, that may that makes sense. So, let's we're now getting into the nineteen nineties, and, and when people think about the AIC softball program, this this stretch of time, the nineties, is this incredible run i think you made seven or eight straight regionals some something crazy like that and obviously 1996 1997 you get to the high point you make the college world series in back-to-back -back years uh, what specifically for for those teams um like what went into to can you know where did you find the players that you were able to have that kind of success how what went into building it and maybe Kind of at what point did you realize we have something really special here? A couple of things happened. Number one, I had a good friend, Marty French, and he coached the summer team over in Eastern Mass. And he had sent me, he had helped me get three of his players, Carolyn McGowan, Chrissy McLean, and Renee Clerk, and Jamie Karen. I think those were the four. And at the same time, I got a phone call from Dr. Marcy Donald, who I coached years before, telling me that there was a kid from Africa that was a really good pitcher that was pitching down at the insurance company had leagues. And she was, Ravella was pitching in an insurance league. And so I went down to see her and I knew this person had potential. And not only had she, did she have potential? But John Stratton, who was one of the big names in softball in the United States, was my friend. And he liked Ravella. And he worked with her at no cost for years. And Ravella, her freshman year, pitched against 
Australian team because John at that time was coaching the breakouts and combination of those years and Ravella and I had found Nina on a volleyball court and tried to recruit her for both courts. And um, there was some local people and Mo McSwiggin, it just, oh, Mo McSwiggin played for Marty French too. So there were five of Marty's players on that field. And um, then I needed a shortstop because I remember who the shortstop was, but she uh, bailed out. So I was in a pizza shop. <laughs> I mean, I did crazy things to recruit. <laughs> I found this player that had, I found this player, Stacy Squires, who was older. She was 25, and she had stopped playing at Sacred Heart years before I had tried to recruit her. And I realized that she had two years of eligibility left, or three. Went and recruited her, so there was the shortstop. So in all, it just kind of fell into place. Yeah, I mean, and, and these names as you're going through them, you know, because I've read through our history books and our record books, I know them. I mean, Carolyn McGowan hit, you know, had a couple of seasons where she hit around 400. I know the name Chrissy McLean, Ravella Gerkews in the NE10 Hall of Fame. You know, I... This, oh, so that was, Chrissy. Chrissy's in the Hall of Fame for soccer, too. Chrissy McLean played yep. soccer. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you had you had some some incredible athletes, arguably... Arguably, that that 1996 and 1997 team, you know, was maybe the best team in the history of of, of AIC in any sport. Certainly, certainly, right up there. Um, the we were be we were beating the national champions four nothing that year that uh, he won up there. Um, we were ahead four nothing, so we were close. <laughs> <laughs> What what was the actual experience like? Um, the winning the regional back to back years and and the actual like going and playing against the you know the other top teams in the country going to the World Series. Well, I knew most of the I knew most of the coaches simply because we were the first team to go to Florida women's team Northeast. I'm sure. I was there much long before UConn and UMass thought of going to Florida. Mm. And one of the reasons was that because Title IX was there, Milt said to me, I think you better go to Florida because I hadn't thought anything about it. And so we were one of the first ones to go. So I knew all those coaches. And I made, when I realized how good we were, I went and raised all the money so we could go south and play all the good teams. So I was to expect at the end. We went to Kennesaw State one year and played. Maybe two years we went to Kennesaw. We, um, I talked Ava into playing at the Olympic Stadium in South Carolina. And we played a whole bunch of really good teams down there. Because I wanted the experience, and sometimes we came back 0 and 10, but I didn't care. I mean, at one point, Ravella was crying, <laughs> thinking she was never going to be able to pitch it, but it only made us better for the end. I yeah. always believe in I always believe in playing the best, and so, yeah. so I made it. I made it happen, Seth. Okay, it's as simple as that. Nobody, 
nobody gave me. <laughs> nobody gave me money. I'm 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 probably the only team at AIC that never asked for money for my trip. I know that. <laughs> I raised every penny. And 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 it all it all worked out. And I mean, like you like you said, you get you get that experience and to nothing nothing makes you better than playing the best. That's right. Let's let's fast forward again a little bit. Um, let's get into the two thousands and and specifically, I want to I want to go to two thousand six. Haven't started the season yet. Two thousand six. No, may I go back first? Yeah, absolutely. The most, the most devastating experience of my entire life. What happened at AIC when I beat Central Missouri, sent them home, beat Bloomsburg, and sent them home. The national championship only consisted of four teams that time, at that point, mm -hmm. and I was one game away of going, yeah. and I was sure I was going, and I want to tell you how devastated I was. That probably is one of the most unbelievable situations that I've ever experienced. Tracy Youngberg was on the team at the time, Jill DeMonda. Okay. We mm -hmm. had one game on Sunday, and we were in California. So that was the greatest disappointment. It took me a, quite a while to recover from that. Yeah, you, they they say the 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 closer you get to winning it all, if if you don't like, the more it hurts. And I, that's it's certainly true. I you know, been with enough teams that have been really good. I think of our women's soccer team in 2013 and how that final four run and it's, you know, looking back now, it's obviously amazing, but I remember, I remember losing in this, in the national semifinal with them and just how upsetting it was to be that close and not get it. So, so I can, I can imagine what, what it must've felt like for you to be that close. It was devastating, but I was, I was, we were close so many times we went to Bloomsburg and that was, at that point, there was only four teams in national championships. I was so close every time, you know, we need one more game to win. And so when it finally happened, it was, um, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you managed to get there twice to the World Series, so. But I was so close the other times, it was unbelievable. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So now, at, at this point, you've been coaching for for over 30 years um you've won you know 700 800 games and in 2006 they Vince Maniacci comes on becomes president and they decide to name the field after you how did you find out that like what was that conversation like when they said hey we're going to name the field after you because that's something that's usually usually reserved you know when somebody's finished and you were still doing it well, I think that was in 2006. Is that right? Yep. Was was it in the fall of 2006 that happened, or when the spring? Yeah, it was during. It, they they did the official naming was during the season, 2006 season. Okay. Well, I had I had gotten breast cancer that year, so it was really a wonderful thing. And also, I had gotten selected to the National Hall of Fame that very year too. That's the first. That's first and only convention I missed. And I was selected to be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't know, Minch, uh, Vince came on and he just called me to the office and said, well, I was thinking about having this. And I said, fine, 
you know. <laughs> I'm not big on um, I'm not big on harping or telling people about the awards, you know. I don't know. I think I'm in six or seven. No, I think I'm in seven Hall of Fames. I'm not sure, Seth. You yeah. know, the only Hall of Fame I'm not in is the Westchester one. Well, I'll have to uh, I'll have to make a phone call down there then and tell them to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, before this last one of the 1997-98, um, I, I think I went into the hall, my high school hall of fame before the year before that. It's but just, in, you know. yeah. I was going to say it's just it's just amazing to me because. It was the year after the Hall of or the uh, the field was named after you that I actually got to AIC, and so the only thing I remember it as is Judy Groff Field, <laughs> and and it you know it, it only hit me kind of later like that's that's really unusual for for it to be named after somebody who's still coaching. I think of some of the other places that have fields named after people and. <clears throat> I know the basketball court at Southern New Hampshire um, and at Bentley are named after their former coaches, but I can't think of another place I've been to that's... that's yeah, Gary. Wayne State. Wayne State just named the field after Gary. Oh, there, oh, there you go. So maybe no. it's just a softball thing. To, no, to I, do. I, I don't hear of it very often either, but I know that the field was named after Gary. So, but Gary's still coaching. Yep which we will get to very shortly. But um, before that, you talked about, you talked about, you know, the rest of the world sort of catching up in the 2000s, but you had one more good run in you before you retired. And, you know, this, this was the one that I was here for. In 2010, the team makes the conference championship game. Obviously, unfortunately, came up short against Southern Connecticut. But, uh, but you had a really good group that year, too. And what was... What was special about that that team, that last really good team that you had before you retired? I believe that's when Kristen Dolan was yep. pitching and she just couldn't go another game because I think we went extra innings the game before. I, no, I no. think that's what killed us. And I think the rain killed us. Nine. I think we had to play three games or three games in one day. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not good with all this kind of pictures, but I do believe that um had we had a better two years, rain affected us, and I thought it was too bad. We had to end up playing three games and, again, just missed the regionals. When Queens went up at Merrimack, we had beaten Merrimack, and the last game with Queens and ourselves had to be played, and we were the, we were the team that had to play three games that day. And, again, I think that's what happened. I know that's what happened down at uh, New Haven. The rain came, and I think we ended up not playing on Saturday and playing three on Sunday. And yeah. I think that really affected us. I think that really had an, obviously the pitchers is when you start throwing the same kid and that's what most people do and you have to go three games. That's a lot. You know, I remember it cause we went, uh, we went nine innings with assumption. Right. In that, in the semifinal in that. Uh, and that was the same day. Yep. I think we've had a half hour rest. Yeah, it was just let's go. And it was after, yeah. I, it really affected us. It affected us two years in particular. 
Uh, and that's, that was the year. Yeah, that was, I still remember most of the name. I mean, you had, it was actually St. Peter who hit, hit the walk-off, the, the, the winning, it wasn't even a hit, it was an error. It was a bases-loaded error in the bottom of the ninth in that uh, that game against Assumption. But yeah, I remember the, I remember the rain. I remember Kristen Dolan and I think it was Liz Habib. They were both freshmen too, if I remember right, that year. It was it was an unbelievable group. But you get you well, have that. I'm not sure, but I think Kristen was a senior that year, wasn't she Seth? I wanna say Kristen was class of twenty either 2012 or 2013. I feel like she was a freshman that year. Really? Okay. I'm sure you did your research. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, this is like the, the one little stretch of your career that I was actually like physically there for. And I remember being impressed by how many strikeouts she, she racked up. Well, one of the things that happened is, and maybe because of the game of uh, pitching three games that day, is that it affected her arm terribly. And she had to go to doctors, and we had to really do a lot of rehab. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can I can imagine. I mean, it's it's tough on. And I think that affected her for the rest of her career. We have a lot of young coaches at AIC, and and you you know yourself you mentioned at the beginning that you had a, had a help from a lot of people, especially when you were starting out. What advice would you give? to AIC's current coaches, not even just softball, but in all sports, and especially the younger ones that are just starting out? Well, I think it's important to find the, the right person for you as, as a coach, the person that's going to work for you, not the one you're gonna to have to run after. And if, even if they're talented and they don't fit your philosophy, you know, don't bother. And the other thing that I do, and I know that some of our coaches go to big showcases, but I used to go to fields where the chickens were running around where nobody else was to try to find the talent. The times have changed, obviously. And um, so I think it's terrific that women have all those opportunities. And I would think that, um, that you have really find the person that's right for the school also. And it's difficult because you're, now you're being challenged constantly by division one and two, and even though three says they have no scholarships, we know that suddenly uh, things become available to them. And I think it's, it's difficult to, um, to get right on the, recruiting scene and find the talent and don't know what else I would say to people at AIC. You have to make a network of people. You have to make a network of high school coaches and summer coaches. Summer coaches sometimes don't know much about the person as a person. They just know how good a player they are. And I believe that the high school coach knows the child better than anyone else. And you've got a good network, or even if you go to other countries, you have to make good networking of people so that they can help you. 
think networking is all key. They, they say it is all about who you know. Now, the yeah. last question that I wanted to ask, and you mentioned before we started that you wanted me to talk about this, and I already had it written down. Uh, your good friend Gary Bryce at Wayne State, uh, Claudia Stabile over at Pace, who you obviously coached against for a very long time and you know really well. They're both starting their 40th years this year. You coached 43 years, which is the most any coach in the history of college softball, Division one, two, three doesn't matter. What does it take to last as long as you did, um, and what and what does it mean to to be able to get to a fourth decade of coaching? It's very. You've got to love what you're doing. You've got to love what you're doing. It's as simple as that. You have what you're doing, and you know I really enjoyed having the students and helping them and um, just being around them is a wonderful thing. I just it never felt like work. You have to enjoy the you have to enjoy the game, you have to enjoy competition and all those things I thrive on. Yeah, that's that's definitely I know I know that's the thing that I feel as well is that I I wake up every morning and I you know, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work because it's, it's just so much fun to be around. And, and Coach, I want to thank you for, for doing this. It's really been incredible, as always. Get, you know, the, the first four years of my, of my college career, I got to spend watching, watching the best. And it certainly helped me, and you've helped me and in, the, in the same way that you've helped countless students that have come through over, you know, 40-plus years. So... Thank you for doing this, Coach. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Seth. And Judy good luck Bryce. to you. I'll, I'll see you this spring as long as we uh, all get our shit right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we better. I, I cannot take, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a softball schedule out, Seth. Is it there is going not, to be a softball season? It is not out yet. There's going to be a softball season. If, if I have to go, if I have to, like, go to the state house and, and throw things at people, I will. But. I'll tell you, Coach, it was – you want to talk about disappointment. Last year, our home opener for softball, first first home game at Judy Groff Field was supposed to be my birthday, March 19th. And you want, you want to talk about have, having the rug pulled out from under you. Know how much, you know how much I was looking forward to the best birthday present possible as a softball game? So – so it, there better be a softball season this year. I'm not. I'm not having my birthday ruined two years in a row, Coach. I promise you that. <laughs> I don't. I don't care if I have to go fight Mother Nature herself. I'll do it. Well, I. The reason is because all the Division One schedules are out. Okay, and UConn yeah. is going to fly every weekend, <laughs> and playing. Yeah. No, we. It'll be coming out soon. It'll be on AICLOJackets.com for those of you out there in video land who are watching this once we're done with it. But uh, yeah, as soon as, as soon as I know coach, I'll, uh, I'll pass it along to you, but, but I'm like, you know, we're going to, we're going to play. Like I will, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, put my foot down right now. We're playing spring sports. How about that? Good. Good. As Judy Groff, the greatest of all time. People use that. People talk, people use that expression to talk about Tom Brady. No, she's the actual <laughs> greatest of all time. This has been another episode of the Yellow Jacket Experience. Hope you 
enjoyed watching it as much as I enjoy every conversation with Coach Groff, and we'll see you again soon.